Hello and welcome to COVID Stories, a podcast series regarding leadership following the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm your host, Dallas Emerson, Director of Business Development at the IT Guys. Before we get started, these interviews were conducted during the COVID lockdown and were held over Microsoft Teams. Any sound quality issues are the result of social distancing that we're all too familiar with. If you're listening on our site, we're thrilled to have you, but you might find it easier to listen to COVID stories through iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Joining me today is Brad Shanklin, Executive Director of the Dallas HR Management Association. How are you doing, Brad? I'm great. How are you doing, Dallas? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me today. Sure. All right. This is the question I, owe, I ask everybody to start with. I think it's important we all kind of have a, an idea of when this really started becoming, when we all knew that there was really a problem starting. So when did you first know that something was going to have to change, that this was bigger than anything we've seen in quite a while? Sure. I think the beginning, um, you know, ironically, it was the week that ended Friday the 13th. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, I mean, there, there's irony, right? And um, there was a lot of chatter going on about it and things were being talked about, but people were saying it was in Europe and... There was one case in Washington state and, you know, out of 320 million people, that's pretty good. So, but as that week went on, it was like, you know, well, there's three cases in Washington or now there's one in Oregon or whatever it was. And then we got to that Monday, I guess it was the 16th. And this is March? March, yes. March 16th. And then it became apparent that this was a serious thing here in the U.S. And... You know, we talked about it in, in staff meeting on Monday morning, and already I could sense some concern by a couple of the staff who, you know, are, are, are admitted germaphobes a little bit, you know, and, and, and had some concerns. And, you know, from an HR standpoint, it's like, you know, I can't ignore those now that they've been expressed. So I have to kind of pursue that. And as that day went on and we started watching some things and I was looking at, um, you know, some of the headline news and such, it became obvious that uh, we needed to take action and and work remote. So, you know, we we um, I made that announcement kind of late in the afternoon and we I worked with Brian on our our IT person and we made sure everybody had everything they needed to to work remote. We've done that already over the years or over the several. Well, over a year before that. And we. um so we were pretty prepared. Uh, a few people took home a monitor that they didn't have a external monitor with their Surface Pro and such. So, but we were good to go. And, you know, I really, I guess I thought it would be two to three weeks maybe. And then, you know, we'd all be back, uh, obviously. So I guess yesterday was our 10th week anniversary, mm. ninth or 10th week, you know, working from home. So crazy stuff. Crack at this point. Yeah. Now, did you feel that you were kind of leading your members on this one? Because when I've talked to a lot of associations, in some cases, they said that it was their members who really started making the noise first. Mm -hmm. And then they, you know, responded to it. In other cases, they really felt like they had to tell their members, you need to start paying attention to this. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I think uh, because we are our members are HR people, you know, they were already having that same discussion simultaneously while we were having it in our office. Um, and I think that that was the big thing. You know, in the beginning, I said, as we began our week or two of remote work, I said, you know, the first responders, the nurses, the doctors, the firefighters, police officers, 
you know, that's certainly the first responders. But I would I would unofficially add HR people in there as a second responder only because they're having to shift all of that from working. You know, a lot of companies, no one worked from home and some companies, everybody worked from home. So we had everything from A to Z there and people, you know, the HR departments were looked upon to really begin to make that process and, and make that change. So that they were doing it already. And they were already, uh, you know, making those plans to get people to get people to work remote. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, in your from your perspective, both looking at the HR world and kind of your association world, do you feel like there is a mentality shift going on right now that we we kind of had the initial panic, and then we had the okay, just get through today? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like people are starting to plan ahead or trying to figure out how to plan ahead now? Most definitely, I think. You know, um, as the governor began to make some of his announcements and these phases of opening up Texas and such, you know, people are beginning to think, now, how would that look? How would that work? How would, um, you know, I guess two days ago, the 18th of May, I should put dates on these, the 18th of May was um, when he opened it up where non-essential businesses could begin to open up with the that little formula of 25% and and no more than X and such. So I think even before, two weeks before that, when he made the first announcement about restaurants opening at 25% and such, people began to make those plans and say, okay, what would it look like in our office? We certainly began to do that. How would it look? What would social distancing look like in our office? What would, you know, the lunchroom look like? What would the copier area and all those kinds of things look like? And I think that, you know, we had, we as an organization planned so many activities where people come together face to face that we began to think about how that would look in the future. While at the same time, we were thinking about how does, how do we move the things we had planned to a virtual experience? Um, luckily, we only had to reschedule a couple of things and everything else. We just moved to an online experience of some sort. And we used GoToMeeting, GoToWebinar and such. And then we'd switch to, um, what's the other GoTo? Uh, there's a third module, I can think of it. But anyway, and then it was, um, we used, we started using Zoom because we wanted to have networking where you could have breakouts and people could actually go into smaller rooms and have discussions and things, which we've done with some success. So, you know, we've, we've, we've documented so much of the changes that we've taken. And, you know, I think that we'll be better prepared, God forbid, that this or something like this ever happens again. And we will, we will just have to, to, um, you know, make those adjustments. So it, it is all about planning for tomorrow for us. And like I mentioned in the beginning, um, you know, in our conference, which is in October, uh, planning every day, we're having multiple conversations about that. If it's live, what would it look like? And if it's virtual, you know, how would we manage that and, and such? So, you know, lots of moving pieces, but I think, I, I think and hope everybody is planning for the future because this is, uh, this is odd. A couple of us went up to, uh, myself and another person went up to the office last Thursday because we had, we had fantasies about going back to work this week and, um, <laughs> We taped the floor down and we made some adjustments and we set up a table in the front for people to come in and we bought a thermometer, you know, the, a touch free thermometer and, and some other things. And so we prepped the office and it's still ready, but we didn't, 
make the decision to go back just because it was not, you know, someone said, I guess yesterday in a conference call I was on that if we have to go back and wear masks and social distance, do we really need to go back? <laughs> you know, and, and can we do everything we need to do remotely? And the answer to that is yes. So, you know, we, we, we're, we don't have a date right now that we're returning necessarily. So. I think I think for a lot of organizations, there's a, a, most organizations don't have a date right now. I know here in Austin, uh, our counties are in conflict with the state. They have different, right. they've got yeah. different rules, and then the city is in conflict with the counties. You're right. Uh, so it's it's confusing at best. At best, now, yeah. I know your organization does a lot of networking events. I uh, I think every time I've been in your office. There's been something going on. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just by happenstance, I don't know. How have those networking events gone? You mentioned that, you know, you moved to Zoom, that way they kind of have the breakout sessions, if you will, or the, mm-hmm. the smaller rooms. Right. Have, how's turnout been for those? Well, we've had, uh, we had one with our board only just to sort of test drive the system and make sure we knew how to work it and all. And it, it was successful. And then we had our real first one. Last Thursday, I guess, and we had uh, about 70 some 72 people. So, you know, I didn't have a number in mind because I had no idea, you know, what would be what does success look like in that situation. But the reviews afterward were extremely positive. They I think they wanted to have that opportunity to see each other and talk to each other. And we had six rooms that were pre-assigned a theme, if you will, like. One was binge watching and one was food and beverage and such. And, um, people had, they could select before they got there. That way, uh, Florence on our team pre-assigned them. So when we got, we had a little intro and a little welcome everybody. And then we pushed everybody to their respective choice. And then we had that conversation for a while. And then we came back to the main room and then pushed them to a random sorting room for 15 minutes and did, and then repeated that. And I think everybody, they got to see a lot of people. They got to see some people they didn't know and some people they knew. And, you know, it was sort of like I had a feeling of like a, a reunion, a high school reunion of sorts where, Oh, I haven't seen you so long. How you doing? Kind of a thing. <laughs> and it was just, um, I think it was uh, people needed it. So we're going to, we have already scheduled to do that every other Thursday for the foreseeable future because it is, it's, it's what they want. Um, I had maybe five LinkedIn requests from people who I'd never met before because they were in the rooms I were, was in and, you know, they were, and their comments about that were really positive. So I think that's, you know, again, for the foreseeable future, we're going to have to take that approach and, and do that virtually because you know we 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 are not going to be bringing people together anytime soon you know right. um, you know that, that training room that you've seen that we use three or four times a week you know is um we want to get back to using that and it's not huge so we can't couldn't have more than a certain number of people in there anyway so right. based on based on today's guidelines you know so I think that's a brilliant strategy of kind of guiding the conversation by having assigned themes or topics mm-hmm. in the room. I haven't heard that before. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So obviously nobody knows what the future looks like. You know, we, we can't predict a year from now. We can't predict tomorrow, it seems. Uh, 
But life will return to some sense of normalcy at some point. Mm -hmm. But it will be changed. So what specifically do you see changing for your organization in the long run as a result of COVID-19? I think, without a doubt, just the way we interface with each other, you know, I think we'll get back to a a face-to-face environment. That's what will change significantly. Will we, you know, will we be shaking hands? Will we be hugging? Will we be sitting right next to each other? How will that look? How will that distancing, you know, work? I, I Before I came to Dallas HR, I worked for a meeting association of meeting planners and meeting professionals. And it, there were lots of studies back then about is the face-to-face meeting going away just because of the digital age? And can we just do this from a digital standpoint? And the surveys and discussions were, no, the face-to-face will always be there. And that's where people get their real interaction. But regardless of anything, if we went back to a, a vaccine world, let's say, that had the coronavirus was gone because we were vaccinated like the measles or the, you know, chicken pox or whatever would, I think in the back of people's minds, it will remain the same. People will want to be able to wash their hands with some hand sanitizer that I think they'll be thinking about it for, for months, if not years to come. And so we'll have to be sensitive to that. We'll have to have some level of ability for people to have space uh, more so than I think we've had before. Um, we have these high top tables in our training room where we, and we have a social thing, like four people can gather around them, but there's no way we'd be, we, I mean, you're almost elbow to elbow when you, cause they're a small table, you know, and how will that look? I think, you know, people are going to, to think about that. So the onus will be on us to make those environments comfortable to share that we've, you know, they've been clean, they've been whatever. And, and people will have to make a choice, you know, I, and, and, you know, right now we see more, some people are going out to restaurants and some people aren't even leaving their homes and people will have to decide their level of comfort. And what we'll have to do is communicate whatever we can to help build that level of comfort. That makes a lot of sense. Geez, I'm thinking about the high top tables and even, just snacks. How are you gonna? How are you gonna have uh, beverages, refreshments? Uh, yeah. Well, and we've received back from uh, the Omni Hotels, which is our host co- uh, hotel at conference, and they uh, they're owned by the city. The bill, the hotel is, and the convention center is owned by the city, and they've put out these new protocols for distancing, for a conference, for um, uh, food and beverage service. And all that. They're, they're talking about everything being prepackaged, like from the silverware to the napkins to the, you know, the things you might get at a restaurant to go that it's all packaged in one napkin, silverware or plasticware and such. And, you know, it's just going to change. The, the self-serving buffets will be gone maybe forever. The, mm-hmm. the, you know, even the plated dinners or my lunches, all that's going to change. They're talking about going back to bottled water, oddly enough, where, we were trying to get away from bottled water forever and we gave out water bottles and they had the five gallon bubblers all around the convention center, but that's too much, um, too much, too many hands touching things. And too many surfaces. So, you know, which is ironic because we're trying to get rid of the plastic bottles, right? So it's interesting. Um, 
you know, we've, we've heard also, I mean, we all have heard how the, the, um, the uh, CO2 emissions and things like that are way down uh, because no one's driving. And, you know, of course that hurts the oil and gas industry and all that. So there's some positives that have come from this and then obviously more negatives, but, um, but down to the water. Pardon? Everything is a trade off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Down to the plastic water bottles. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't heard that one before, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you'd mentioned a little bit, it seems like the transition was Went pretty smoothly for y'all. You had been kind of preparing, obviously not for a pandemic, but you'd already yeah. been preparing, you know, the people, the ability to work from home. So what was the, for you as the leader of your organization and just as a person, what was the hardest and the easiest part of that transition for you? Well, I think the easiest was that we had worked remotely already. Everybody worked at least a day a week for over a year from home. So they had their service pros, they had their monitors, they had, we use jive telephone system. So it, it comes into our cell phones and we didn't have to bring, you know, phones home and all that. So we were pretty digital and, and pretty mobile. So that was easy. Uh, like I mentioned, a few people didn't have external monitors and I didn't even know that until the pandemic because I mm-hmm. thought everybody had one at home. But, um, so we were in a pretty good place, uh, and we had done it before, and we used Teams, as you know, and that has become a more robust tool for us because our monthly calls or video call, or I mean our weekly calls or video calls with staff, and we're chatting around with each other all the time, and um, that that has really really helped. I think the hardest part is just being away from everybody from each other because. We have been a, a group. We're, we're eight people. We're a tight group. You know, we're small, so we're we're always dropping into each other's office about a question and and trying to keep whatever decision process moving forward. And this makes it a little bit more difficult. Of course, with Teams, we can certainly just pop in and ask or call somebody and see them like we're seeing each other now. And I think that helps a lot. But I think just the the face-to-face interaction, the, the live face-to-face interaction, I think has been the toughest um, just because we were so close and we were always doing things, you know, every minute on the fly with each other in the office kind of a thing. Yeah, everything in the virtual office environment takes a lot more effort and intentionality. That's one of the big things that we keep discovering is just that everything takes more mm-hmm. work to get done. Yeah, I think so. Definitely does. And we've had, um, hang on, sorry, my daughter is calling me. Um, we've had, um, uh, lost my thought. Oh, it's taking longer. Yes. Um, and you know, some of the decisions we've had these huge conversations about conference and what that will look like from our attendees and a, an exhibitor's perspective. But back to what I said, you know, we've been waiting, not overly waiting, but waiting for, the hotels to make their decisions on protocol and the convention center to make their decisions on protocol because we'll have to abide by those things. And we can't, you know, we can't override those. We can, we can, we can learn and and make decisions about our attendees experience, but not some of the external things. So that takes a little bit longer. Makes a lot of sense. So we've kind of talked about the transition operationally. We've talked about kind of how your organization is, still providing value to your members. 
Has COVID-19 brought about any changes that you find you actually want to just keep, not even necessarily as regards to public health, but just that's made things better? Hmm. Um, I'm not sure yet if uh, made things better. I mean, there's been the ability to prove that we can work remotely, definitely. And, you, you know, I've read tons of articles about will people go back to work? in an office, you know, um, I think a lot of, a lot of, uh, organization businesses who are up for renewing their lease may have a very strong discussion about that. And if it weren't for us having that training room and doing so much of that training and interaction in the office before we renewed our lease about 18 months ago, and I thought about it, about going virtual because we'd save a ton of money, but you know, would we, would we lose a big component of that ability to provide face-to-face interaction in our own office space? And so we, it was a quick, we don't want to lose that. So we moved forward. But I think that, you know, for the better, we, we proved that we are capable of doing this. Maybe we go to a formal two day a week, uh, working from home kind of situation for, for the team. Um, you know, but I'm not sure yet about, um, about better the, you know, the social distancing P. I mean, we talked a, a second ago about, you know, the, the CO2 emissions are better. The, the oil prices are down, but that's not necessarily better. And, and going back to the leasing, you know, if people start all go, if, if companies start going working from home, what's going to happen to these buildings? They're going to be empty. And what's the impact of that? You know, uh, everything has a negative impact. You know, yeah, yay, gas prices are a dollar forty, but you know, the oil was in a negative uh, cash per barrel about what a month ago. Yeah. And and you ask the people in Houston who are huge dependency uh, on oil and gas, and that's not a good thing for them. You know, so. Right. Well, I guess what I meant when I said any changes for the better, uh, you know, we've seen some organizations that, yes, as you mentioned, are thinking about just working permanently from home. There are some orgs that see this and they've gone, well, this is really exposed. You know, oh, we can do this and differently. So it does sound like for you or for, for Dallas HR, it makes a lot of sense. If you're hosting these regular events, this is you want to go back to pre-COVID-19 world. I mean, we all do, but uh, it makes a lot of sense. Right. So. As a leader, again, both for your own organization and for your members, how do you go about trying to set expectations when we mm. never know what to expect? Right. I think communication is the key. It is, you know, the, there's been a lot of discussion about that. But even before, I've always said that, you know, the absence of communication allows people to form their own opinion about things. And a lot of times those are wrong because they don't have the facts that I have yet. I'm not communicating. So we've just been communicating with each other like crazy. And, and, you know, as the team leader here, I have just made sure, you know, when it got to a point, you know, I said, you know, we're not going back before May 18th. I said that weeks ago, uh, when we just decided, you know, uh, based on everything we'd heard. And so that gave them, I think, a comfort level that at least we have a window now and we know because it was sort of day to day, if not, well, week to week in the beginning, right? And so we had that. One of the women on our team has a kindergartner and their school 
is not out until the 28th. And I told her, regardless of what we do, the CARES Act protects you to be out until the school is out. So you're okay there. And and she was worried about it because we were just kicking around dates and things like that. So I think just communicating with them about what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. And, you know, just just I think that helps the team feel at ease and more comfortable about what to expect because there's a lot, there's plenty of what we don't, we don't know what to expect about a lot of this and just to try to provide as much normalcy as possible to their day-to-day life is I think the key. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, is your staff, do you feel champing at the bit to go back to the office or, and you know, I don't want, I don't mean for you to out anybody. Do you feel like no. you worry it'll be hard to kind of get them back into regular gear? I don't think it'd be hard to get them back in regular gear because in the first few weeks we were really working like a fine oil machine. You know, we, we were getting the work done because we had to make some immediate decisions and make some changes and get those changes on the website and, and communicate them out and all that kind of stuff. When we talked about going back on May 18th, nobody said anything. And I was waiting for some, you know, individual teams calls or something like that. One-on-one just to say, you know, for comfort level. And then when I said, okay, we're officially not going to go back on the 18th and we'll decide later when we do, a couple of people were thrilled of that. And a couple were like, oh, I was looking forward to getting back and seeing everybody and, you know, et cetera. So it was sort of a mixed bag. And I think that, um, you know, we'll look at the dates when it becomes appropriate and, you know, it's not a, it's not imperative for us to go back. That's, that's the good thing. I mean, if we were selling a product and manufacturing something that we had to be in a space, sure, you know, but, but we're not. And so we're, we're doing okay to be, to continue working from home. So. Okay. So what does, and, and I, I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're running a little bit here. I've got two more questions for you. We're good. So what does a new normal, in your opinion, look like for membership-driven organizations? I don't like that term, new normal, but I don't have a better term for it yet. So what do you what do you see that being? Yeah, that's a great question because um, you know we've heard of the, the that that phrase, new normal has been an overused word. I think uh, more so in the beginning, and now you know it's. I, I guess that's just. I have fatigue from that word, but anyway, uh, I, I don't know what it would look like. It, um, I think a lot of that will be driven by our members and their level of comfort. What will they be willing to do? We just, we've just launched a survey yesterday with all 2300 members asking them about their comfort using words. What, how likely are you? How comfortable are you with X, Y, and Z? And we've, we've got about 50. 14% response rate now, which is awesome already. But, you know, there's a high level of comfort with virtual. We asked them about their comfort level with technology when it came to virtual, because if we do a virtual event, you know, those kinds of things. We asked them about um, how likely would they be to go to a live conference if the acceptable protocols were in place. Less than 50% 
are expressing a level of comfort with that and such. So it, I think it would depend on what our members want and what they're, what they're willing to do. And again, I think there will be the same kind of people, the same people that you see out in restaurants <laughs> sitting close to each other will be the people who will be ready to come back and, and do it. And then there will be a whole spectrum of people who, you know, won't want to come back, won't want to do that. So the onus will be on us to create, probably create a, a hybrid of events, not conference necessarily. Uh, we haven't gone there yet, but if we had a live event in the office, let's say, would it also be accessible live virtually? If that makes sense. If we had cameras set up and you're there and you're seeing, and then maybe we had all the little screens, uh, on the big screen of all the people who were remote. We, we keep referring to the, the Brady Bunch screen, you know, you know, and so the people who were not comfortable could be there and then the live people could be in the room. And, you know, I don't know how we could communicate with them because the noise level and all that kind of stuff. But, but those are the kinds of things we're going to have to think about because it's not everybody will. Some people will never come back to the normalcy, if you will, air quotes, normalcy. Uh, and, and some will be you know, ready, ready to unlock the door for me, but we'll have to find some happy middle ground there for everybody. But I think to your question, it will be driven by the membership and their level of comfort. Yeah, I think, I think there's, we're especially going to see as a generational gap too. Mm -hmm. uh, I think generally speaking, uh, and it seems kind of counterintuitive. It seems younger people are more, afraid of returning than mm -hmm. older people are. And I say it's counterintuitive because they're less likely to suffer. Uh, so it's, it is going to be difficult, I think, for organizations to kind of maintain that. There's already a generational gap in membership organizations. Right. And I worry this would exacerbate that. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is a bonus question. Okay. Uh, we're both tired of the word new normal. What's a better term? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I think that, and I guess what I don't like about is it will be the normal. It will be different than it was pre-pandemic, but it will be the normal. And yes, it will be the new normal. It won't, it will, it will never be like it was. Just like after 9-11, airports are never going to be like they were years ago, where you could just walk down to the gate and meet your person walking out of the you know, off the, the, the thing that the air walk, whatever those things are called. Um, so it's never going to be like that, but I think just the normal of what it is, uh, I, I just prefer the normal when we get back to normal and it's implied. Yes, it's never going to be that way, but the new normal, you know, just, it's it sort of, I think the fatigue I have with the word is it's sort of like, it's sort of like um, I bought a new house. Oh, you bought a new house? When did you buy it? Three years ago. Well, it's not new anymore. So it's a house. So it's like it's normal. It's not new anymore. And and surely we're not back to that yet. I guess I'm just that kind of thing. You know, social distancing. When's the last time you heard that before, you know, March 16th? Uh, things like that, you know. So I don't have a word for you, Dallas. I'm struggling here, but I think it's just normal. Because it will be when we get back to normal. Normal to me means commuting back into work, listening to talk radio as I do it, 
getting to work, you know, doing the kinds of things we used to do. And yes, it will have different features to it that are based around the pandemic. I like that. But it will be the normal because that's what we'll be doing. It'll feel normal at that point. Yeah, well, I hope so. Jeez. Oh, okay, so my last question for you. If you could offer any other association executives, nonprofit executives out there, be they grizzled veterans or total newbies, any advice about how to prepare for the coming days, what would you say? Hmm. I would say uh, over-communicate with your teams, whether that's everybody or just your team of 10 that you work with uh, directly. Over-communicate. I would set expectations and be patient. A lot of people, I believe, are trying to get back to normal quicker than the process is allowing. And it's just one of those things that, you know, the governor, the governor made that first announcement and didn't mention anything. And then he said he'd be back on the 18th to make the second announcement, which he did. But that week before, he talked about beauty salons and barbershops opening. And that was sort of a between phase one and two announcement. So he was being very thoughtful about what we needed to do, talking to his all of his advisors, of course. But we have to be patient to the process. We can't rush out again for a lot of reasons. We can't rush out again because we we don't want too many people to get out too quick and have a flare up, you know, of of the of COVID. And we, we want the hospitals to remain available and not overflow and all that kind of stuff, which was part of the whole flatten the curve plan. Um, so I think we just need to communicate, over communicate, be patient, set expectations for your employees so they know what the plan is. Even if the plan changes and ours changed, we were getting ready to go back. And I said, you know, I've read too much stuff and it's just not worth the risk of us going back. Again, because we're not a hospital, we're not, you know, doing emergency dental surgery and things like that. So it's just, uh, it's just, it's just the process will work. It always has. And we'll get back to, we'll get back to normal. You didn't think that after 9-11, all of us didn't think that after 9-11 and it did. It's not the normal before, but it's normal now. Isn't it normal now to go through TSA? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So back to my normal comment but yeah i would just say you know be patient and communicate set the expectations i think that's what our employees need that's what you know that's the responsibility of hr i can't think of a better way to sum it up all right brad thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it and uh, i know people are going to benefit from this my pleasure thanks for having me on thank you for listening I'm Dallas Emerson with the IT Guys, and this has been COVID Stories. I'd like to remind listeners that you have a COVID story, and we want to hear it. Send me an email at dallas at itguysusa.com, and let's set up a time to talk about your COVID story. Your story may be just the thing someone needs to hear. Thanks again.